2: a rather somber welcome everyone to episode number 97 of the keep it to yourself podcast the most above average podcast ever to hit your ear holes my name of course and as always is jason Bullet, your humble host here and i'll tell you why in just a minute why i changed the intro and it's also going to lead into the main topic of this episode thank goodness i would have had nothing again but before we get into all that let me get a quick plug in for my social media. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Keep underscore podcast. Instagram, civilian that is, is at Jason underscore five one eight three eight. There's the Keep It To Yourself Facebook page. And you can also listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars, please. Good write up. You can also listen on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Podbean until later this year, that is, much later, and wherever you get your podcasts. It may have hit your ear holes that I changed up the intro to this episode. And that's because since last I spoke, you listen. I, along with many fans of the British comedy troupe Monty Python, were saddened to hear of the passing of Terry Jones this past week at the age of 77. They're dropping like flies early in 2020. David Stern, Don Larson, Neil Peart. Holy fucking shit. Lost another good one in Terry Jones. So The topic of this episode, the deep dive, if you will will be the influence that the monty python troop has had on me how they contribute to me becoming an anglophile being interested in british culture we'll get into all that as the show progresses we'll have our normal festivities we'll have like the super bowl prediction that's coming up and of course as this is episode number 97 a look back at the year 1997. we'll get into all that later on so that was my way of paying tribute to terry jones and i'll have a little surprise at the end too So stay tuned for that. I may have spoiled the surprise there, but anyway, let's get to the vanity portion of this podcast. You're probably wondering to yourself, what has happened in the life of one J. Michael Bullitt since last he spoke and we listened? Well, strap in, folks. Got quite the week here. Most importantly, and this will affect the podcast, I've been working two jobs recently. I can't tell you about the second, but they treat me very well over there, and I will reveal it when I feel it is necessary because I don't want the word to get out. My dad kind of, you know, gave me a little warning about putting that stuff on Facebook. I was so happy about it. I immediately took it down. But well, let's start with the week before. And me and a number of people who are in my autism support group and are good friends of mine from said group gather at this tavern in Clifton Park, New York to celebrate one of my friend's birthdays. Now, when it comes to events like these, I had to know what was going on in advance. You know, part of me was like autism. Also, you know, didn't want to spend too much on the money. Trying to tighten up the wall not spend as much in 2020. Be a real, uh, you know, not be a complete miser, cheapskate, Uncle Scrooge type of person. Well, there you go right there. So, I DM'd this person, a female, and she said, well, if you want to have the chicken wings... They're free, but you'll have to pay for anything else you're going to have. So I decided, you know what? I'll have the French onion soup because it's probably going to be a while before the chicken wings come out. That was a little burp there you heard. Never mind. Sorry about that. Hopefully you didn't hear that. Anyway, back to the story. This is one of these taverns that's owned by this company that owns two other taverns in Saratoga County, New York. The rolling hills thereof. And This is a promotion that they have that if it's your birthday, you got to be there the exact day of and You have like your age and number of chicken wings Not boneless. We're talking bone-in And there was a wide variety Thai chili barbecue Mild oh man, they we're so good now with these things with these little gatherings when they're involved in restaurants, What you have to do is, I don't know, there's some kind of way. I had to DM this person, alright, so is it separate checks, or is everybody going to have to throw in? And she told me, if you want to eat the wings, they're free. But if there's anything else you want, you'll have to pay for that yourself. So I figured, well, it's going to be a while before the chicken wings come out. So I decided to get some French onion soup. It was good, let me tell you. I liked the wings, I enjoyed the camaraderie. Had a wonderful time. And then we had a bit of a snowstorm. It wasn't like the Wamper we had last year on Martin Luther King Day weekend. Where we got slammed with up to a foot and a half. Far from it. We got about 3 to 5 inches. I even drove in the snow to my sister's house for dinner that Saturday night. Now there's this function on my 2016 Kia Soul where it prevents you from getting stuck in snow. You just press it. It takes the locking mechanism off. And you're able to just glide through the snow like nobody's business. Well, i had forgotten to do that after dinner when I backed out of my sister's house and try and prevent a case of pink eye, or potential case of pink eye on the part of my nephew. So I got the car warmed up because the snow was still falling as I was eating dinner and watching TV and hanging out and this, that, and the other. So just after 6 o'clock, after my nephew had had his bath, I figured, all right, well, I'm going to get going. I've been here for over an hour, don't want to wear out my welcome. So I clear the car off, the side windows were alright, right. just had to get all the snow off the windshield, duh, and the roof, that would be a hazard, and then sometime after I backed out of the driveway into the roadway, I tried to go up the hill to go back to Bullet House, and I was having great difficulty, the tires were spinning, I was like, alright, well you know what, let's do a little experiment here, let's call an audible, Omaha, Omaha, more football to come, just so you know, a little tease there. And what we decided to do, or we, my I, pronouns pal, it's late in the evening, I'm recording this on Friday night, the 24th of January, 2020, this should be out next week, I put the anti-traction skidding, or whatever that function is, I pressed that button, went the opposite way down their street, went through part of the subdivision, like, alright, well let's try this again, and we went up the hill, no trouble at all, made it back. So that was it, right there. So it's been a busy week for me. Not much happened. There was only, only news of interest or consequence that happened to me. It's been busy times, but 2020 is looking to be my year. And speaking of years, we're now going to hit the year 1997, give the old over-the-shoulder glance back. So let's strap in the Wayback Machine and get going, shall we? Yeah. You know what?
1: I like the a D, no doubt. Mm. Play on, play it. Mm. Play on, play it. Yo, Trey drop the verse.
2: Some Baby, mellow old-school no jams to lead yeah. to. this segment of the Keep Strictly It to Yourself you podcast. This is episode 97, so it follows that we take a look back at the year 1997. And we we'll lead you into a little dedication to some of my old friends from Saratoga Springs' then-junior high school. That was No Diggity by Blackstreet featuring Dr. Dre, number 7 on the Billboard Hot 100 charts for the week ending February 1st, 1997. Great mellow jam for all of us who are of a certain age let's start as always with what was making headlines in 1997 the biggest story unfortunately was the death of princess diana 16 years earlier she married prince charles of england and of course the royals are in the news but not for good reasons what with Meghan markle and prince harry wanting to leave the royal family and go off on their own it was much more somber news involving the royal family In the early hours of August 31st, 1997, Princess Diana, her paramour, Dodi Al-Fayed, and two other people were on a limousine in Paris on a chase from the paparazzi. They went into a tunnel, and all of a sudden, the limousine crashed, and all occupants involved were killed. I remember being at my grandma Todd Al's house. She had had a medical emergency, and whatever plans we made for the Labor Day weekend were scuppered because my mom decided to go look after a visitor in the hospital. And we were at the house, and we woke up Sunday morning to the sad news. I remember the funeral the following Saturday. Speaking of sad events, a wave of school shootings began late in 1997 with shootings in high schools in Pearl, Mississippi, and Paducah, Kentucky. I was in ninth grade when all this shit went down. There was a financial crisis in Asia around that same time as well. There was also natural disasters in the news. Another tornado hit Great Barrington, Massachusetts, this time the day before the 4th of July of 1997. This was the day before I went to Washington to go visit my sister, and she had an internship going that summer at the Library of Congress down in Washington. Stayed in Silver Spring, Maryland, uh, had a billet family, like she was on a travel team for ice hockey. A momentous occasion in asia not just the financial crisis but on july 1st of 1997 hong kong after 99 years of being under rule from great britain returned to the people's republic of china and of course all of last year there were all these demonstrations making sure the chinese didn't grab their hands on hong kong go full you know what on them for lack of a better term sorry about that should have just pause and breathe right there hit the pause button <laughs> anyway China said, all right, we'll take Hong Kong back off the Brits. It's going to be one country, two systems. Well, looks like they want to do one country, one system, our way or the highway, and forget about everything else. Back here at home, Timothy McVeigh. Remember two years ago, 1995, when he had the big part in the Oklahoma City federal building bombing? Well, in 1997, he was sentenced to death for what he did. There are a bunch of news in the science front. Dolly the Sheep, remember the sheep? Well, the first cloning of an animal. They haven't cloned humans yet, and I hope they don't. The hale bopp comet was all the rage in 1997. A computer defeated a human. Deep Blue, IBM's computer, defeated Russian Grandmaster Garry Kasparov in a game of chess. I remember that made headlines. That was amazing. Computers can do what men do. And humans. And speaking of technology, we got a new computer as a Christmas present that year. And it was also the first time that Bullet House got made its way onto the information superhighway. The internet, if you will, as it's called nowadays. Who knew 20 years later I'd be doing a podcast? Or the meme of podcasts would become a thing. Also in 1997, the Kyoto Protocol was signed. And it was an international treaty according to Wikipedia, that tried to prevent climate change and told all of who signed the treaty to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Well, with climate change being what it is, I wish they had done more. I don't know if the US. has pulled out of that one, thanks to you know who in the Oval Office. Jody Williams, a woman from Brownboro, Vermont, And her organization, the International Campaign to Ban Landmines, won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1997. And also, International Affairs, the Confederation Bridge opened in Canada, linking Prince Edward Island to the Canadian mainland. It must have been tough going to get from the mainland to Prince Edward Island before this bridge opened. I would become a fan of wrestling a year later, but... There are some momentous events that led to me becoming a fan later on down the road. The beginning of the Attitude Era in what is now WWE, World Wrestling Entertainment. Now, And there was also the Montreal Screwjob at Survivor Series 1997. When Bret Hart came out on the short end of it against Stone Cold Steve Austin in the main event. And that's the last of wrestling talk we're going to have this episode. There were some bursts and debuts that made their way in in 1997. A mix of people and actual things. Lamar Jackson. Boy, we could have wished he was in the Super Bowl, huh? Had a great second season with the Baltimore Ravens. They went 14-2. and two. Connor McDavid. He wears number 97 with the Edmonton Oilers. Simone Biles. The face of the U.S. women's gymnastics team. All the success they had at the Rio Olympics. Kayla Deckey decorated American swimmer and here is a now forgotten person from the last decade Malala Yousafzai in 2011 she won the Nobel Peace Prize Marcus Rashford I'm a fan Manchester United in the Premier League he was born in 1997 got to kick a ball for the first time ever and speaking of sports this was the first season of the WNBA the Women's National Basketball Association still going strong I got pay rises they're going to take a little break for the Tokyo Olympics this year. The TV rating system also made its debut in 1997. Just in time to get new cable channels on our cable system. We were living up in Wilton at the time. I was in 8th grade when this happened. So we're getting all these new networks, all this new stuff to watch. When I told my parents I was doing homework, <laughs> sneak that in. and the TV rating system came out to try to get people like, alright, you should watch this, we should not watch this. And I got the new cable channels in time for the premiere of an influential show on Comedy Central called South Park. Trey Parker and Matt Stone, one of my favorite TV shows of all time. And the emergency alert system came into being replacing the emergency broadcast system with that tone. Oh, I can't do it very well. Well, as I've mentioned before on this podcast, as there is life on this earth, there should also be death. And a lot of great luminaries also left us in 1997, headed for the exits to the Pearly Gates, if you will. Two companies went under in 1997, Woolworth, after over 120 years in business. We used to have one in Saratoga Springs, this hideous strip mall in the middle of the city, downtown. I've been in there a few times. Montgomery Ward finally went under in '97. They had a, a store at the old Saratoga Mall. As for actual people who passed away in 1997, I mentioned Princess Diana earlier, days after her passing came that of Mother Teresa, a spiritual woman, a woman of God, who did her best to help those who were the less fortunate in her own unique way. This death happened while I was in Washington, D.C., the passing of Charles Carroll a great newsman for CBS News and host of one of my favorite TV programs of all time. I mentioned South Park, but this is way different. CBS Sunday Morning, one of my finest traditions of modern times.
3: Charles Kirault, and this is Sunday Morning, a 90-minute CBS news program that starts right now. Every Sunday morning, we're going to bring you the news, of course, but we're going to spend most of this hour and a half together trying to explain what's happening to ourselves and to you. And we're not going to hurry through it. We have time for a background story on a major event, so we'll have a background story every week. We have time to talk about art and music and books and movies, so we'll do that sports, of course. And we'll even deal each week with a subject that television rarely talks about, television. There will be serious essays on religion and learning and science, business, the environment. We'll tell you what to expect from the weather in the week ahead. And every week, I'm going to sit down over there and talk with the CBS News correspondents who are covering the big stories, wherever in the world the news finds them, to see if we can make some sense of... Where we've been during the past week and where we're
2: going. That was the beginning of Sunday Morning on January 28, 1979, 41 years ago this weekend. Charles Corral was the very first host of that program, and he stepped down, hosting his last show on Easter Sunday, April 3rd, 1994.
3: Time for us to part, you and I. Saying goodbye to the viewers of Sunday Morning is like saying goodbye to old friends. That's the way I feel. Thank you for making me feel that way. I aim to do some traveling and reading and writing, and to watch this program the civilized way for a change, in my bathrobe while having breakfast. Charles Osgood appreciates poems and often commits poetry himself. There is a rhyme by Clarence Day which says what I want to say. Farewell, my friends, farewell and hail. I'm off to seek the holy grail. I cannot tell you why. Remember, please, when I am gone, twas aspiration led me on. Tiddly-widdly-toodaloo, all I want is to stay with you. But, here I go. Goodbye.
2: Two days earlier came the passing of Jimmy Stewart, a great actor. <laughs> you want the moon? I'll get you the moon. Star of many a great movie, including It's a Wonderful Life and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. He passed in 1997. Ditto for president of, well, it was Zaire, but now it's Democrat Republic of the condo, Congo and the Condo. No condos in the Congo, but he was president of then Zaire. Mobutu Sese Seko, who died in exile in 1997. Red Skelton, great comic and radio and television actor, passed this year. John Denver met his end in a plane crash. Jesse White, remember him when he was the Maytag repairman? Paul Songus, American politician. Catherine Scorsese, now this is a name you may not have heard of, but she was the mother of famous director Martin Scorsese, appeared in some of her son's movies, believe it or not. Back to politics internationally, Chinese premier Deng Xiaoping passed in 1997. And going back to Africa... Nigerian musician Fela Kuti passed in 1997. Ditto for Pakistani musician Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan. Pat Paulson. Here's one from the obscurity file. He was a part of the Smothers Brothers comedy hour. A counterculture figure if ever there was any. Not on the level of Cheech and Chong, but still he has his own subversive humor. Even ran for president in 1968. Didn't do so well. Because, well, Richard Nixon. Two greats of the Beat Generation, Allen Ginsberg and William S. Burroughs, passed in 1997. Japanese actor Toshiro Mifune, if you're old enough to remember the miniseries Shogun on NBC, he played Lord Toronaga in that miniseries. He was also involved in the films of Akira Kurosawa, including one film I saw when I was in college as part of this Intro to Film Studies class, Seven Samurai. It was one of the longest films I had ever seen, that and Apocalypse Now. Thank goodness they didn't show the director's cut of that film. All right, where were we? Gianni Versace was murdered in cold blood in 1997. His killer also passed away. Well, he was shot. Actually, he took his own life, went to the bad place. Roast in hell. Rest in peace, Gianni Versace. Here's another name you may not remember. George Fenneman. George Fenneman was Groucho Marx's sidekick on both the radio and television series You Bet Your Life in the 1950s. Michael Hutchins of NXS He unfortunately ended his life by his own hand. We'll be at NXF for you. Dennis James, he was the game show host. He hosted the nighttime version of The Price is Right. He was kind of the substitute Bob Barker in that regard. He passed in 1997. This hit most of us growing up who were fans of hip-hop. Notorious B.I.G. Some months after Tupac Shakur was gunned down, the Notorious B.I.G. met his end on the East Coast. The whole East-West rap battle. Denver Pyle, great actor, passed away in 1997. And speaking of whom, the great comedic actor, one of the best cast members in the history of Saturday Night Live, in my book, Chris Farley, met his end toward the end of 1997. 33 years old. What a hilarious actor he was. One of my favorite characters was this motivational speaker named Matt Foley. Now, as your
1: father probably told you, my name is Matt Foley. And I am a motivational speaker. Now let's get started by letting me give you a little bit of a scenario of what my life is all about. First off, I am 35 years old. I am divorced. And I live in a van down by the river.
2: If you're a fan of animated cartoons, you mourn the passing of Don Messick in all likelihood. Don Messick was the voice of Scooby-Doo. Huh? (gasps) Rocky! Me! And of course, Boo-Boo Bear. That's how I got to know him. The range region gonna like this, Yogi. Professional wrestling suffered a huge loss with the death of Brian Pillman at such a young age in 1997. He paired up with Steve Austin as the Hollywood Blondes in WCW before both made their way to what is now WWE. The Penguin, Burgess Meredith, the Penguin from the Batman television series, passed in 1997. Robert Mitchum, actor and singer. Mama, look at boo-boo, they shout. And Mama told them, shut up your mouth. I know a good voice when I hear it. You may not have known the name of Ernie Anderson. Well, he was the voiceover guy for ABC television here in the United States for many years. In fact, chances are in this country, you may have grown up hearing his voice not know who he was.
3: And you'll meet our special guest rock at Ball's Tits. And you'll meet our special guest oh Fuck! There's no special guest. He's just a guest. Fuck him. Well, I'm stuck. Jesus Christ, I hate it when it's near the end of the week. Puzzle gets fucking tougher. And you'll meet our guest co-host from the hit series, Oh Fuck It! Right up to Fuck It, I gotta tell you. I
2: know. Not the most professional Ernie Anderson. That was his blooper reel. Rather funny. Got that off an episode of the Dana Gould Hour. Please don't sue Dana if you're listening to this. Jacques Cousteau, the great National Geographic fixture, the underwater explorer, passed in 1997. And also rounding out this necrology of the year, Roy Lichtenstein, the great pop artist. He passed in 1997 as well. On to sports in Major League Baseball, the Florida Marlins won their first ever World Series by defeating the Cleveland Indians in seven games. And, of course, they wound up selling off the whole team after that. The Chicago Bulls, no selling off in the NBA. They beat the Utah Jazz to win their fifth NBA title, the second in a row. The Green Bay Packers, don't you wish they were in the Super Bowl this year? Well, they won their first ever since the days of Lombardi by defeating the New England Patriots. Whatever happened to them? In Super Bowl Thirty-One, the Detroit Red Wings won their first Stanley Cup championship since 1955, the days of Gordy Howe, sweeping the Philadelphia Flyers four games to none. I forgot to mention college basketball and college football the last few episodes. I've been very ignorant. Please forgive me in that regard. Championship game played in 1997. The University of Florida, with Danny Werfel, quarterback, won the national championship, while the University of Arizona, Lute Olson. Big shout to Derek Pedrick, who was a lacrosse coach there for a number of years. They won their first ever NCAA Basketball Championship. There was one noteworthy incident that took place the evening of June 28th, 1997. It was a heavyweight championship fight between Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson during the fight bit off part of the ear of Evander Holyfield and it caused a wild melee in the ring. And unfortunately, it marked the entrance into insanity of Mike Tyson. He hasn't been the same since, and I'm sure Evander Holyfield's felt the same way, too. That year's Oscars, the best film of 1996, went to The English Patient, nominated for 12 categories, won three quarters of the Oscars for which they were nominated, and I remember seeing this in the theaters, the top grossing film of the year, Men in Black, Will Smith, You've Done It Again, grossing over a quarter billion dollars nationwide. At that year's Grammys, the best record was "Change the World" by Eric Clapton, while the best album was "Falling into You" by Canadian songstress Celine Dion. And that's a look back at 1997, and now a special attraction remembering Monty Python.
0: I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night. cut down trees i eat my lunch i go to the tree. on wednesdays i go shopping and have buttered scones for tea
2: as you heard at the top of the show this episode is all about monty python and i'm doing this off the back of the passing of terry jones however i have to make a quick mention of this i'm recording this on sunday the 26th of january 2020 and moments ago as i record this I've heard some devastating news about the sudden passing of Los Angeles Lakers guard superstar and legend Kobe Bryant. The news came out earlier today that he was among five other people that were killed in a plane crash outside Los Angeles. Kobe Bryant was a member of the Los Angeles Lakers, played 20 years from 1996 to 2016. He won five NBA championships, led the Lakers to seven NBA Finals appearances, Won a number of MVP awards, but also garnered some controversy, not for what he did on the court, but for one incident off the court in July of 2003 at a hotel in Colorado. I don't want to mention it too much, but I want to just mark the passing of a NBA legend. We've lost so many greats this month. David Stern, Don Larson, Terry Jones, we're going to get back into that in just a bit. Rocky Johnson, forgot to mention him in the obits, father of the rock. Whole bunch of greats, they're going like flies. Let's embrace the now. That's all I say. You never know when they're going to go. You see your loved ones tonight, give them a big hug, because you never know when they're going to be gone. Don't I know it. The beginnings of the Monty Python comedy troupe were in England in the early 1960s. During that time, Terry Jones and Michael Palin met while they were students at Oxford University over in the UK. They performed as part of this troupe called the Oxford Review. Meanwhile, at the other prestigious university in Britain, Graham Chapman and John Cleese met while at Cambridge University, performing in the Footlights troupe. Eric Idle would come aboard a year later. The four Pythons would individually, or with each other, work on separate shows like I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue, a radio series, at last the 1948 show for television, and among other projects. Terry Gilliam, the lone foreigner in the troupe, an American who now lives in the United Kingdom, met John Cleese while he was in New York City. John Cleese, that is. Pronouns, pal. The Pythons, either individually or parts thereof, worked on separate television and radio programs, such as, at last, the 1948 show And I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue, which I first discovered my senior year at Castle, and this contributed to my anglophilia starting in the mid-2000s. There is this radio station, which what used to be called BBC 7. Now it's called BBC 4 Extra. Radio 4 Extra, that is. And three times a week at that time, they would have British comedy. They would have The Goon Show. I'm sorry I read that again. I'm sorry I haven't a clue. There's a little game show which did not include any of the pythons, so far as I can make out. And other comedies, like The Burkis Way and The Navy Lark. If you're in England, you know of what I speak. Well, this all led up to the creation of the influential television series, Monty Python's Flying Circus, which premiered on BBC television October the 5th, 1969. Once the series was commissioned by the powers that be at the BBC, see what I did there, the Pythons were given all but carte blanche to do whatever they want. They were given complete creative control to display their brand of absurdist humor and televisions throughout the UK. One of my favorite sketches from the show is the dead parrot sketch, an excerpt of which I will play for you now.
1: This parrot is no more. It has ceased to be. It's expired and gone to meet its maker. This is a late parrot. It's a stiff. Life, it rests in peace. If you hadn't nailed it to the perch, it would be pushing up the daisies. It's running down the curtain and drawing the crowd invisible. This is an ex parrot.
2: <laughs> the pythons parodied all the pressing social issues of the day. Politics, religion, no sacred cow was left unslaughtered by the five pythons. Terry Gilliam, the lone foreigner, as I mentioned earlier, provided the animation... That was interstitial to all the other sketches. While the Pythons had themselves a heck of a run, unfortunately, John Cleese got crossways with the group and he departed in the mid 1970s, which led to the series ending in 1974, just as economic troubles were beginning to plague the UK. However, it was not the end of Monty Python's flying circus, at least on this side of the pond, it was just beginning. In the mid-1970s, the Pythons came to America by way of television, as episodes of their series started airing on public broadcasting station KERA Television in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas. This was all through the efforts of Ron Devillier, the program manager of the station at the time. However, it wasn't the Pythons' first foray into American earholes. Sure, it was their first in the eyeballs, but the earholes got the first taste of Monty Python through FM radio stations playing tracks off of Python LPs. What followed was an expansion of Monty Python fandom into the United States, and a tour and performances thereof soon followed, including a memorable performance at the Hollywood Bowl. The Pythons found a second career of sorts through motion pictures. During the height of Python Mania in the UK, their first film, and now for something completely different, which was derived from the first word said in every episode of the series by John Cleese wearing a tuxedo sitting at a desk in some weird location, premiered in 1971. I have that on DVD. My personal favorite of the Python films is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. To my estimation, it's one of the great movies that I can quote from at will given the occasion. Two other motion picture features and a concert film followed, the last of which was Monty Python's The Meaning of Life in 1983. There was also The Life of Brian and the concert film at the Hollywood Bowl, as I just mentioned. Right about the mid-1990s or thereabouts, that's when I got my first look at Monty Python's Flying Circus, as it aired the local PBS station, WMHT, about 10, 11 o'clock at night. I was able to bond with friends over our fandom of Monty Python, even though it didn't go to the the levels of cosplay before it was such a thing. I also remember seeing John Cleese in a sitcom called Faulty Towers when it was on Comedy Central, back in the late 90s, when we had just gotten it on our cable system. It's also the same network where I mentioned earlier in the episode I first saw South Park. I've been ride or die with that show since the beginning, even though I've aged myself out of it. Monty Python Flying Circus, I also remember when it aired on A&E. It was kind of an odd time, 6, 6.30 on a Sunday morning. The big bugbear that I had was how they aired it on A&E. They would be right in the middle of a sketch, and it would be the end of the episode, and Graham Chapman's Army Colonel character would announce the end of the show and say, That's the end. Stop the program. Stop it. And that was it. Finito. I really didn't like that. I liked it better when it was on public television. That's just me. Monty Python all but broke up for good in 1989, but not before the group went their separate ways. They performed at such charity shows like Amnesty International's Secret Policeman's Ball. Their fundraisers for that were the organization. John Cleese had a great star turn in A Fish Called Wanda. Terry Gilliam went from the animator's desk to the director's chair and came up with one of the great cult classes of all time, 1985's Brazil. Michael Palin, ever the Traveler, became well known for his Travelog series as much as he became known for any character he did on Monty Python. However, the troupe truly broken up when Graham Chapman passed away on October 4th, 1989, a mere 24 hours before the 20th anniversary of Monty Python's Flying Circus. Earlier in the year, Chapman had developed a cancerous cell on his tonsils and had to have them removed. What complicated matters on his hand was the passing of his mother in July. Terry Jones, whom we're memorializing in this episode, called Chapman's passing the worst case of party pooping in all history, end quote. Days later, there were surviving Pythons gathered for Graham Chapman's funeral, and John Cleese gave one of the best eulogies, and probably the eulogy that summarized Monty Python's humor the most in this fashion.
0: M. Chapman, co-author of the parrot sketch, is no more. He has ceased to be. For the rest of life, he rests in peace. He's kicked the bucket, hopped the twig, bit the dust, snuffed it, breathed his last, and gone to meet the great head of light entertainment in the sky. And I guess that we're all thinking how sad it is that a man of such talent, of such capability for kindness, of such unusual intelligence, should now so suddenly be spirited away at the age of only 48, before he'd achieved many of the things of which he was capable, and before he'd had enough fun. Well, I feel that I should say nonsense. Good riddance to him, the freeloading bastard I hope he's found. And the reason I feel I should say this is he would never forgive me if I didn't, if I threw threw away this glorious opportunity to shock you all on his behalf. Anything for him but mindless good taste i could hear him whispering in my ear last night as i was writing this all right please he was saying you're very proud of being the very first person ever to say shit on british television if this service is really good, just for starters i want you to become the first person ever at a british memorial service to say fuck."
2: Forgot to mention him in the 1989 obits. Kicking myself for doing that. The Surviving Pythons had many reunions over the years, including a memorable one at the Aspen Comedy Festival in 1997, and of course a memorable final stage show in London, which took place in July of 2014. Their final stage appearance, which took place on July 20th of that year, aired on British television, And for those who are unable to make it, which means many across the pond here in the United States and throughout the world, in my guess, were screened to many cinemas around the United States. So that way, Python fans across the pond could see history in the making. Terry Jones' passing really does mark the end of Monty Python. There are only three left now, or actually four. John Cleese, Michael Palin, Eric Idle, and Terry Gilliam. Sick Transit, Gloria Mundi.
0: Some things in life are bad. They can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's gristle, that grumble, give a whistle. And this'll help things turn out for the best. Ain't Always look on the bright side of life always look on the light side of life if life seems jolly rotten there's something you forgot
2: before we wrap up this episode i want to give some shout outs to my podcasting brethren first up the sportscaster steve bennett Brought on Andrew Marshan to start Season 10 to talk all things New York media, especially with Mike Francesa and Michael K., the little ratings war down there, and also Matt Crossman to talk about the late Neil Peer of Rush, whom we memorialized in the most recent episode of this podcast, the little hybrid ep. Greens from Allentown, broke down an episode of WCW Pro from January 18, 1992. Something else happened in wrestling the day after. I just can't figure it out. What was it? I don't know. Also, the most recent episode was WWF All-Star Wrestling from April 14th, 1984. And the Break It Down show continued on as usual. The most noteworthy episode was John Leon Guerrero's dad. It was very interesting to hear his tale. So check those podcasts out if you have the time. A little trip into Jason's sports car now. We're going to spare the music here. We have an American football contest of great importance coming up this coming week, and that is Super Bowl 54. The Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. One half of my picks went through. The teams look evenly matched. Hopefully, this is going to be a better game. It has to be after last year's Snooze Fest. San Francisco has great players like Jimmy Garoppolo, Great Kittle, Joey Bosa. One of his ancestors was uh, one of Al Capone's henchmen. And, of course, you have Kansas City Chiefs. You got Travis Kelsey. You got Pat Mahomes, of course. Tyreek Hill, all sorts of weapons. In the end, Kansas City is going to win its first Super Bowl in half a century. Now, there was another thing I want to wrap up with that happened in the week that was, and that was the announcement of the 2020 induction class into the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. As a Yankees fan... I was very happy to hear that Derek Jeter got into the Hall of Fame. This was a no-brainer. Last year, Mariano Rivera got in; and he was a unanimous vote. Unfortunately, number two, the captain of the New York Yankees, got in, but unfortunately, one cockbag sports writer put in a no vote, which prevented, for the second year running, two players going in unanimously. I don't know what the guy this. I don't know what this guy's deal was, to be honest with you. He must have been from Boston, but curse that cockbag. Anywho's, it's good to see Derek Jeter get in. Larry Walker also got in, too. Great player. Colorado, St. Louis, and the Montreal Expos. I've told the story about the first Expos game I ever saw. He hit the game winning walk off home run in the bomb of the 10th inning. One pitch, one swing. That's it. See you later. Drive home safely. Adieu. And that'll do it for this episode of the Keep It To Yourself podcast. I thank you as ever for listening. I started this episode with a tribute to Monty Python, and I'm going to end it with one right here. So as I sign off, I'm going to leave you with an audio recording of my favorite Monty Python sketch of all time. You'll know when you hear it. I may have spoiled it before. Let the cat out of the bag. But I'm going to present it to you just as soon as I stop talking. So thanks again for listening. I never take the audience for granted, never have, never will. Rest in peace, Terry Jones. You will be dearly missed. Say hi to Graham Chapman and all the greats of comedy that have come before us. As always and above all else, keep smiling and let us embrace the now, shall we? Take care. Bye-bye.
1: What you got? Well, there's egg and bacon, egg, sausage and bacon, egg and spam, egg, bacon and spam, egg, bacon, sausage and spam, spam, bacon sausage, and spam, spam, egg spam, spam, bacon, and spam, spam, sausage, spam, 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 bacon, spam, tomato and spam, 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 and spam, 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 bacon spam, 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 or oh, lobster thermidor covettes with a brunet sauce served in the sale manner with shallots and aubergines garnished with truffle patty, brandy and a fried egg on top and spam. Have you got anything without spam? Well, the spam, egg, sausage and spam. That's not got much spam in it. I don't want any spam.
0: Why can't she have egg, bacon, spam and sausage?
1: That's got spam in it.
0: it. Hasn't got as much spam in it as spam, egg, sausage and spam, has it? Spam.
1: Would you do me egg, bacon, spam and sausage without Lovely the spam then? Scam, spam, yeah. What do you mean, spam, yeah. spam, I don't spam, spam, like spam! Spam, 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 spam! Spam. Uh, spam, spam, spamm, spam, 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 spam! Vikings! You can't have egg, bacon, spam and sausage without the spam! I don't like spam!
0: Sh dear, don't cause a fuss. I'll have your spam. I love it. I'm having spam, 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 baked beans, spam, spam, spam and spam. Spam, 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 spam,
1: spam, 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 spam. Baked beans are
0: off. Well, can I have her spam instead of the baked beans then? You
1: mean spam? spam 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 spam